Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship. And as always, a special welcome to members of our family and friends who are joining us from around the country and all across the world. But the most special welcome this morning uh, goes to Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca, as you remember, is a hospital chaplain based at the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital in Glasgow. And uh, she's been a friend of ours for a long time, but we are so glad she's with us this morning to lead our worship while Katrina is on leave. But she is not the only voice we'll hear today. We'll also hear the voices of Mary, Ian, Grace and Ken. And then as we're singing along with ourselves, as usual, we'll hear Paul on keyboard and we'll hear the choir this morning too. Then at 7pm we gather for evening worship on Zoom when we'll be joined by friends from neighbouring churches and that service will be led by the Reverend Roger Sturrer. Uh, just one piece of family news and it's a request for help so listen out to see whether this could be you. Um, we've had a request for help from a member of the congregation asking if there's anyone in church who'd be able to help a young adult manage their debts. Now, this is absolutely not a request for money, but for someone who can offer advice or guidance to a young person who's struggling to manage their money. Maybe you could signpost them to organizations that could help, or maybe just offer a bit of guidance about what to do if you're finding yourself getting into debt. If you think you're that person, if you've got those skills or experience and you'd be willing to help this young adult, could you please email Katrina directly? Not me, not anyone else. Please email Katrina directly and she will put the two of you in touch with one another. So this is a young person looking for some guidance and some experience just on how to budget and manage money. Then next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will be back when we will be sharing in a service of rededication, during which Ian and Elizabeth will be joining uh, our church. So that will be a big day and an exciting day. Please join us if you can for that special service. And then at 7pm next Sunday, Christine Johnston will lead evening worship. These are all our notices. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is my first time doing a Zoom Church Live, so um, your grace and patience would be so appreciated. Um, but just before, I hope it's okay, um, um, but just before I do a call to worship, I'd like to share some of my own news with you. Um, I um, haven't actually been going to our version of church much over the last few weeks. Um, so you've no idea how much I've been looking forward to this. The reason I've not been involved in church much is because I've actually been experiencing um, quite a lot of morning sickness. Um, my husband and I are expecting our baby, our first baby, um, in February. So I personally would really appreciate your um, continued prayers for that. Um, I am um, totally overwhelmed, totally surprised. Um, uh, uh, unfortunate COVID lockdown baby, but... Um, an absolute blessing. We're, we're so overwhelmed. So I just wanted to share our news with you so that there was some good news to share, but also just to ask personally for your prayers with that. But that's all I'm going to say about me. Um, we're here together in such a new and unusual way. I'm sure to you guys it's become the norm. And, um, and let's, let's gather together to begin our worship. Jesus calls us to be one with him 
not because we have something to offer, but because he has something to offer us. Jesus welcomes us with our gifts and our talents that he gave us, but expecting nothing other than to lighten our load. He says, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
Let's pray together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, we rejoice to be as one in your great human family on earth and in heaven, invited by you into your holy presence to worship and adore you. We approach you, holy God, the God who keeps the mystery of divinity, but who shows us through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, what it is to be divinely human. We adore you, creator God, who has made each of us according to your plan. We come from far and wide, with ease and at great cost, with hope and a concern to apply ourselves to heed your call. We look upon you, tender God, the God who keeps loving us despite our failures. We bow our hearts and minds in humility, trusting in your forgiveness and leaning on your promise of welcome. We need you, loving God, now more than ever, lover of all. We come to you conscious of our need for you and one another with a wish to play our part in your mission and yet recognising our own frailties. We ask that by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, we may perfectly love you and worthily glorify <coughs> your holy name through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's now share in the Lord's Prayer together. Our, our Father, Father, who, who art, art in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be thy, thy name. name. Thy, thy kingdom come, come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Reading from Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. Plucking grain on the Sabbath. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and yet are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath.
Thank you so much, Grace, for raising that for us. Before our passage even begins, Jesus has been teaching the disciples and they moved out into the cities and continued their teaching and performing miracles. John's in prison and he catches wind of what's going on. And the disciples respond to his call to let him know. Jesus speaks of John being the greatest and yet the least and the one who comes before fulfilling a prophecy. I don't know about you, but I always find there's just so much to unpack in each part of the Gospels and so many different directions that we could go in. But then he goes on to condemn the cities where he performed great miracles and yet there was no repentance or transformation. And Jesus says some really harsh words that for religious people, the highest or the lowest would have been hard to hear. Judgment will fall hardest on you because you saw and did not change your experience and did not turn around. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like he's a poet, other times a riddler. But we know that he's gradually introducing them to who he really is. Then he goes on to thank the Father, but for what? For, for giving true holy wisdom to the infant and hiding it from the wise and intelligent. If you fancy yourself quite smart, sometimes it can be quite off-putting, can't it? <laughs> then he mentions our burdens, which we, we came to at the beginning of our service. How he wants to lighten them. That's the passage that we read at the opening of worship. Doesn't, doesn't it often, our burdens get heavier as we grow? We go from worrying about nothing to worrying about friendships and what and, and relationships to career choices and mortgages or health to our children and their choices finances to the family members we have to care for even our legacy war and a global pandemic not words we ever thought we'd be saying this time last year although the burden is meant to already be light for those god has revealed his holy wisdoms to He doesn't want it to remain heavy for all of us. So why do we let it get that way? Each word and each verse leaves us with so much to unpack. And as we move into the passage of our focus this morning, Jesus has just said to them, let me take this burden from you. You have seen and heard miracles and good news. You do not need to be heavy laden. Let me help you. And so on the Sabbath, he feeds his disciples. In some versions, this passage is literally titled Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, so it kind of gives the game away. But my question to begin with is, do we give him room to be? Sabbath then was much stricter than it is now, even stricter than our outer everyday neighbours experience. Now, I was totally oblivious to what it's like in Outer Hebrides until I became a chaplain and often find myself supporting patients who have travelled from there and been flown into the hospital because their minister obviously can't come to see them because they're so far away. And when they started to describe what life was like and what a Sunday was like, it made me realise how much of a city person I was because I hadn't, it hadn't dawned on me how much I wasn't aware of, of treating the Sabbath like a Sabbath. Pharisees had a lockdown of sorts, a travel ban. No one could go further than around half a mile. 
something that I think would have been very difficult to picture had we not gone through what we've been going through this last six months. I don't know how much of that he was challenging, the specifics of the law. I actually think maybe Jesus was challenging the why. Why are you responding this way? Why is this particular law more important than these men going hungry? It's not really about the object in question, but the motive or the understanding of that object. He lets his disciples eat, no hiding in broad daylight. And when the Pharisees see, they respond, they call out, they shame and they challenge. And he simply refers to David. Jesus refers back to when David was able to see that there are times and needs and means that are sometimes have to come before the law. As did the priests who fed them and as do the priests who continue to eat and are blameless. I realise this might not be an easy thing to say, but the law did not always serve its purpose that maybe God could see the bigger picture and would be able to forgive. I'm not a, a, an expert in law, but I'm, I'm aware that in nature it should not be ambiguous. But we hear phrases like a precedent has been set, where it's been considered ambiguous, where we develop the law because it's in fact maybe too basic. A situation arises that maybe we didn't consider when writing it, and yet Jesus, the Son of God, did not feel the need to follow it to the letter because he knows the bigger picture, because he is in fact the bigger picture, and he is in fact fulfilling it. For the Pharisees, that's just another threat. For those looking on, I'm sure it may have been a number of different things to different people, exciting, entertainment, refreshing, worrying. When someone challenges the status quo, Depending on the subject matter, it can often lead to different responses from onlookers. My gosh, just think of social media. <laughs> Gives us a platform to share any ill or uninformed or informed opinion that we may have about almost everything and anything. But with such strict law there, it wasn't necessarily a freedom that they had. And how did that happen? Well, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over thousands of years of tradition, building upon power, fear, wealth, destruction, and sometimes the voice of God interceding. And we know this isn't the only or the first time Jesus is challenging the law or the status quo. He doesn't condone an eye for an eye, but says, take the plank out of your own before you take the speck out of your brothers. He says, let those who are without sin be the first to throw the stone. Just go back to the Sermon on the Mount and many sections start. You have heard, but I say to you. He was not there to abolish law, but to fulfil it, to explain it and bring holiness to it. This is just one part of a story of Jesus, where Jesus is challenging and revealing to us all who he is. As our passage continues beyond what we've read this morning, he asks the question of a sheep falling down a ditch. 
finding a question and an, and an example that is relatable to the onlooker. It's not the first time that he uses shepherding stories to make his point clearer. And he even heals a man's hand, revealing who he is, making it a little clearer that he's special and that he's in fact the Lord of the Sabbath. dwell too much on the new C word. I'm so aware of fatigue from it all, overexposure to media and opinion, fear and anxiety. And in the hospital working uh, has been just the most bizarre, um, bizarre time. But what I do want to draw on is our experience of having to step out of our tradition and comfort zone. And I guess I'm left with a question of what has COVID done to our tradition. If I take a step back a bit and think about tradition and what it means to me, it may be very different to what it means to you. And I can't help but empathise a little with the Pharisees and see what it is that Jesus is trying to break down. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the new law. And although the law and tradition to us is very different to what they experienced, it is something that again developed over thousands of years for us, power, reform, fear, and sometimes the voice of God. 
It is something that we can often uphold more than the freedom and light burden Jesus offers us in knowing that he is our Lord. For example, there's obviously a dictionary definition of the word tradition, but I want to look at what tradition means to each of us, my tradition or my habits. I've mentioned it before, I'm sure, that my faith upbringing was in a church where people danced and were speaking in tongues and falling over. And it took a while for me to adjust when I left that church to one that was considered modern and you might get a, an occasional hand clap. It was only when I exposed myself to other styles of worship while at the Baptist College and exposed myself to exploring what worship actually is and what it means that I realised how much of how I connect with God is rooted in how he was introduced to me. So again, I feel a bit for the Pharisees, not that they had power and felt it was being taken away, which I'm pretty sure was a big part of the issue. Because how God is introduced to your life can have such an impact on how God is part of it throughout. I spoke with my dad on this very subject this week and he asked me actually, I should have said this when I was saying hello, um, to pass on his prayers and good wishes. He was been thinking of you all. But I was speaking to him about, about this morning and about that very concept. And he said, it's so interesting that that's what you're thinking about, Rebecca, because over the last number of weeks, I've returned to reciting prayers that I was taught when I was in chapel. My dad was brought up Catholic and brought me up as a charismatic Baptist. Worlds and worlds apart in tradition. For me, which, which way we worship not only has to make my soul light on fire, but has to be theologically sound and ground me. It has so much more now, more of an impact now than what comfortable forms of worship can do. I guess what I'm trying to say is part of my walk with Jesus has been to learn that balancing act. Being grounded with a soul on fire, dancing like David did without fear of judgment while also knowing that I'm not just doing it because it's popular. It's not because it's new and it's not because it's my tradition. So I often have to fight myself a little when I feel myself getting pulled in certain directions. I have a colleague who moved home and with it moved church not that long ago. And I remember the conversations we were having as they attended different churches. Their introduction to Jesus was very different to mine and so was her time studying. They had clear objectives on what they were looking for in finding somewhere new to settle. My favourite and most inspired was where can we serve? What can we offer? But the one I struggled with most was when they started to talk about the kinds of sermons they heard or the kinds of songs that were being sung. Because that was about finding a comfort zone. Now all of that was pre-COVID. And a few weeks ago I attended a Compassionate Inverclyde event. Now as an aside, Compassionate Inverclyde is an incredible organisation that work with third, third sector organisations and charities, churches, hospitals and hospices, kind of filling the gaps of the community. And they do a yearly event, which was on Zoom this year. One of its founders said, we have been impactful during COVID because of our foundations and our willingness. But our willingness would have had no outlet if not for our foundations. So I kind of see where the Pharisees are coming from. 
not in their plotting to kill Jesus or their concern for losing power, but a concern of people stepping away from tradition, stepping away from their foundations, because many cannot separate the two. Foundations and traditions are not the same thing, even if we sometimes feel they are. During COVID, we've all had to find new ways of meeting together, whether it looks pretty similar to how it did before with variations or it's worlds apart. And that's not really relevant to what I'm saying, but what I think matters is that desire we have to be community and in community with Christ and one another. But also to recognise the mercy and the grace and the voice and actions of Jesus. Jesus and his disciples did not fit into a mould of how things were done. That causes discomfort even for the most forward-thinking, open people. To you and I, doing a food shop after church on a Sunday might not be a big deal, and it might be, it might be a big deal, but it might not. Or having someone slave away in a kitchen making a roast because it's tradition might not. Now, being a minister's kid, I never got my Sunday roast. We uh, were always too busy for a Sunday roast and I um, proved to you now that I'm still fallible and able to hold a grudge because I still bring that up to my dad where he says, oh, quite fancy one. Well, I never got them when I was a child. To each of us, there may be things that are off limits, that are too out of our comfort zone, the no-goes. And there may also be places we're happy to go, even if it's a little scary and uncomfortable. Jesus was doing something different because the need required it, just like David had done before him. And it wasn't the first time he was challenging or confusing people, and it's not the last either. But if we are too caught up in our need to do things right or how it's always been done, we so often miss out on many other opportunities. That colleague I mentioned didn't need to move church, but the church they were a part of had begun, begun to look more outwards, rely on the congregation to care for one another, meeting in homes rather than church buildings and serving others more than themselves. As an outsider who wasn't having to go through that discomfort, it looked like an incredible opportunity. It seemed like an opportunity for them to be closer to the kingdom of God. But it was just too far away from their comfort zone. And I get it. I really do. It's easy for me to say that from the comfort of my own home and the comfort of the church that I feel at home in. But if we don't allow ourselves these opportunities, whose voices are we really listening to? COVID has brought tremendous pain and a heartache, and I'm sorry to say it's nowhere near finished. But what can we do in times of need to meet the needs of our community and others to show the light and the life of Jesus? Because sometimes we can't do things how we want to or how we used to. But I don't believe Jesus is done speaking to us. Jesus was trying to help people see a need must be met. 
And I use that phrase because it's a phrase we use in the hospital and spiritual care all the time. Whose needs are being met in this situation? And it can, it can span a whole array of staff support and of patients. But whose needs are being met? Because that's what matters. Why are we doing certain things if we don't know what this needs? In his process of revealing who he truly was, he was encouraging and testing a community to see what they hold most dear. Lena, you'll hate the fact I'm even bringing this up, but every time I see your name, I just think of the college. And, um, and when I preach, I always think of um, the, the things that I learned. And obviously it was sure that taught me preaching, but um, I, would love, I would love to have an excuse to come back just to see how Lena does it. But one of the questions, one of the questions that um, was a classic when I was back in college was, who are you in this story? Now, it's often asked at the beginning of the sermon and the person preaching will unpack it and give you options. But I think you know me now, well enough now to know that's not my style. Who are you in that story? Where do you fit into that story as you are at the moment? Where do you want to be in that story? Now, I think we all want to be the disciples who are doing the picking and watching Jesus have this conversation. But realistically, who are we in that story? As church and as individuals. It's not a question a sermon can answer for us. But I do think it's an important question that we ask ourselves. Are we unfortunately like the Pharisees at the moment saying, no, no, you can't do it like that because that's not the law, that's not the way it's done? Or are we feeding the disciples or are the community because they need to be fed and we need to find a new way? So it leaves me with that question. Who are you at the moment in the story? Do you see Jesus as Lord of the Sabbath? Or is our tradition Lord of our Sabbath?
let us bring our prayers for others and for ourselves. Let us pray. O God our Father, we come to you once again this morning as a fellowship of worshipping people. We come to you with all our doubts, all our fears, all our apprehension about life and living in these perplexing times. In recent days, we may have hoped that the conditions surrounding our existence were changing for the better. But once more this week, we've been filled with foreboding, as the latest statistics indicate, the resurgence of the virus in our country and elsewhere in the world. We offer our prayers today for those in positions of authority, the decision makers and their advisors, who have to discern the best course of action to reign in this pandemic, whose effects have influenced every aspect of life and for some have brought about serious illness, even death. Grant wisdom to those who have to determine policy and action in the health services and in the caring professions. We pray also for those who control business enterprises amidst the enormous challenges that our economy faces. Help them to operate their organisations in ways which might minimise financial damage to their employees and yet maintain the goods and services that we all require. We pray especially for those who may be facing redundancy with all the consequences to themselves and to their families. Grant them hope amidst despair and the courage to persevere in difficult days. We would also hold in our hearts all those students in halls of residence or other accommodation in Glasgow and other cities throughout Britain who are having to self-isolate at this time. This must indeed be a trying time for them, living away from home and trying to find a foothold at the very start of their academic education. May they be granted courage and resilience in this new and bewildering context to their lives. May each of us look with concern and compassion on all within our families and our wider friendship groups that we may perhaps alter our priorities to offer help and support wherever this is possible. In these times, it's particularly important that we support each other as a fellowship and Christian family. And this week, we would especially pray for Neil and Faye, Graham and Margaret, Holly and George, Sheila, John and Heather, Liz and Douglas, Anne and Brian. We hold each of them up to you, our Father, and pray for your continuing blessing on each and all of their in all of their individual circumstances. Within the wider family of the Scottish Baptist Churches, we pray today for the Milestone Christian Fellowship for Montrose Baptist Church and Motherwell Baptist Church. We would remember them in their worship and witness in these challenging times. On the missionary front, we pray this week for the work in Albania. At all times, these overseas endeavours need our tangible help through our giving to the BMS Worldwide and our prayers. Finally, we would pray for ourselves. Weeks go by and sometimes we might weary as we go through this period of confinement. Indeed, this week we find our opportunity for close fellowship with others is even more restricted. Help us to remember always to keep helping wherever that is possible, 
to keep hoping and not to resort to despair, and to remain united in spirit with each other, and above all, never to lose sight of the fact that you are God who loves each one of us, who cares for all his children, and holds each one of us in his ever-loving arms. Amen. you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God give you strength, peace and reassurance that nothing can separate you from his love. Amen. <laughs>